our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Uh, well, good morning. Good morning, church. It's great to be together. Great coming into God's house and worshiping him. And I'm just so thankful for what God's doing in his church. And, and welcome back. We're in a great series called Prayer more than words, and we're, we're learning to pray. We want to learn to pray, we want to grow in our prayer life. And, and I believe this is such a life-impacting series for all of us. Because really, if you look throughout history, everybody has had some form of prayer, right? Every person who's ever lived, every society, civilization, every religion, you know, even modern-day religions, there's some type of prayer that takes place. But what do we know about prayer? I mean, prayer is the opportunity to connect with the God of the universe. It is an incredible privilege. It is something in all of our lives that we can learn and that we can grow. And that's how we grow deeper spiritually. That's how we become all that God wants us to be as we commune with him. Uh, there was a doctoral student at Princeton. And this doctoral student at Princeton asked, what is there left in the world for original dissertation research? And Albert Einstein the great Albert Einstein, right? One of the smartest people has ever lived. Albert Einstein replied, find out about prayer. Somebody must find out about prayer. Right? Because you think, and it's like, wow. I mean, God, who's sovereign, who created the world, who created us, is giving us this opportunity to commune with him. Somebody find out about prayer. And the supernatural invading our world. And that's why the disciples, when they saw Jesus pray, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. We want to learn. We want to learn to pray. So we've talked about the purpose of prayer, right, to commune with God, a need inside of all of us. There's a God-shaped hole in every person who's ever lived that can only be filled by God. So the purpose of prayer. Last week we talked about the passion of prayer. You know, as Jesus teaches us to call God Father, to call God Father, as A.W. Tozer says, Right? What you think, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Because there's a lot of people in the world, man, and they're praying to a God who is unpleasable. They're praying to a God who is unknowable. And maybe in your mind you think, man, God's just out to get you and punish you. And if you think like that, right, if you think that's who God is, you're going to live a life of fear. You're going to live a life of anxiety. You're going to live a life of guilt. You're going to be, oh, way down. But when you know God as Father, the perfect Father who loves you and cares about you, man, it just puts a bounce in your step and there's confidence. God is with me. God is for me. God loves me. So we said last week, who are you praying to? And this week we're saying, what are you praying for? What are you praying for? Because there's a pattern in prayer. And every one of us, we came in this morning and there's things in our hearts and our lives and maybe we wrote them down already on a card that we placed in the basket or maybe we're just saying, hey, well, I'm not going to tell anybody, but man, it's right in here, right inside. God wants to hear because God cares and God loves you and God wants to answer our prayer and I believe he answers every one of our prayers. 
But I believe there's a pattern. As we grow in our relationship with him, as we mature in our relationship with him, we learn more about prayer. So Lord, this morning, teach us to pray. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. New Testament, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels all talk about Jesus and uh, his life, his ministry, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Praise be to God. We just sang about it and the hope that we have through Christ. And uh, we see this unfold here in Luke chapter 11. Now, if you don't have a Bible, we'll put the words on the screen, or maybe you have a mobile device, you can access the scripture and follow along with us today. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And we talked about this, that Jesus was praying, that it's important for us to, to follow after Jesus. God's goal for your life and for my life is that we be conformed to the image of Christ, that our lives look more and more like Jesus. So Jesus was praying in a certain place. And I just continue to encourage you during this series on prayer to, to really look at your own life and say, hey, I want to carve out time to pray. And I'm going to get up early, you know, five minutes, 10, 15, 30 minutes early, and I'm going to find a certain place, my prayer closet, you know, someplace at home, someplace in my office, someplace outside. I'm going to go. That's going to be my place. But I want to have a place where I meet with God. Jesus did. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. There's something different about the way you pray. There's a passion. There's an intimacy. There's a relationship. Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray. Notice that, not if you pray, because Jesus knows we're gonna pray, right? We're, we're gonna get in trouble in our lives. There's gonna be times we're gonna call out. So when you pray, say, Father, Father. I gotta tell you, I just love, I love that God invites us to call him Father, you know? I mean, I said last week, but there, you know, there's a lot of people who can call me different things. People can call, you, call me pastor or friend, but there's only three little girls in this world who can call me father. And man, when they call me father, they call me daddy, and there's nothing I wouldn't do for them. I mean, I love them. And, and God's saying, hey, you can have a relationship with me. I care about you. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. We're going to camp out there today. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Now, if you're taking notes today, here's some things that I want you to get, some things I want you to write down. I want you to see that the Lord's Prayer is recorded in Luke 11 and in Matthew 6, right? Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount, one of Jesus' earliest sermons, and he was teaching on prayer. And it's also called the model prayer. The model prayer for us. And so there's a model here. There's a pattern or something God wants us to see. And the purpose is not simply that we pray this same prayer every time, but that this becomes a model for how we should pray. You know, it's important to know the Lord's Prayer, but, but what Jesus was giving us was like, hey, pray like this. This is what I want you to get. It, it, some of you, many of your parents, we're all parents, many of us, and, and, uh, and remember teaching our kids to pray. And they would just start to pray, and when they pray at night, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep, and if I die before I wake, pray the Lord my soul to take. And it was something that was simple, and they were young, and you wanted them to get that. But as they grow up, you're like, okay, we 
stop praying that, okay? You know, I want you to start praying for bigger things. I want you to pray for things in your own heart, your own life. I want you to, that was a model for you. That was something that you could do then. But, but you grow up, you mature, and it becomes a relationship as you talk to God. Now, what I want you to notice in the Lord's Prayer, that there is a pattern, a flow from God then to us. Did you see that? Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. And then it starts to switch, right? Give us, give us our day, our daily bread. It, it, see, that pattern, that flow impacts. It changes. It's important. Because what Jesus is saying is this relationship, the vertical relationship, you get this relationship right, it impacts all your other relationships. Give us. You're in community, right? Give us. But start here. And most of the time in our lives, what do we do? We start here. God, I need this. God, fix this. You know, fix my family. Fix my wife. Fix my spouse. Fix my, you know, kids. Fix my job. Fix my boss. Fix. And God's going, well, hello? Wait, who are you praying to, right? Hold on, right? Before you dive into all of that. See, here's the thing. Many times in prayer, we move the wrong direction. We move the wrong direction. This summer, we took the girls, we went, we took a half day, and we went kayaking. And uh, it was so fun. And so, you know, it's just beautiful around here. We had a men's retreat this weekend. Many guys went kayaking. But, but we went down, and I remember getting in the kayaks, and so Lisa was here, my wife, and then maybe our middle daughter was in one kayak, and then I was in the back of this kayak, Grace, our oldest, and then our youngest was in the middle. And so we had this three-person kayak, and, and we were with a, some other people, and we had all these kayaks, and and we started off, and we're going downstream, all right? And there's a wind behind it. It's a beautiful day. I mean, it is perfect. And they're taking pictures, and we're having fun. We're splashing each other with the oars, you know? I mean, we're just laughing. We had a great time. Well, so we go down, and then all of a sudden, we park the kayaks. We hike around a little bit, and we get back in the kayaks. And I'm thinking in my head going, uh-oh, you know, because we had a great little, you know, like, man, downstream. We're going back up those two miles back that way, and now the winds come up. So now it's like headwind. And I remember we're going back in the kayaks, and people are ahead of us. And I'm like, catch up, you know, paddle. <laughs> Stop talking. Stop taking pictures. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, and we're all working. We're paddling. We're sweating. It's hot. The sun's coming out, you know. And, and we're going. It was work. And I'm like, oh, you know, but we had a, we had a good time. Finally made it back, praise the Lord. And, and uh, it, was, it was a great day. But I thought about that kind of in our prayer life. Sometimes we move the wrong direction. Sometimes, you know, we're kind of fighting the headwinds. We're like, God, here's my list. And God, why aren't you responding? And God, I brought this before you. And, uh, you know, it's been 30 minutes and I haven't changed. And we're always out of feeling like we're pushing against this headwind. And then there's sometimes in prayer when you just go, ah. Oh. And man, you're just in the flow. You're praying. It's like, oh, man. I mean, there's this connection with God. And that's what Jesus is teaching us. Changing the pattern of our prayer changes our perspective. And we begin to see reality from God's point of view. Oh, you got this. You are sovereign. You're in control. Wow. And so I want to challenge you today. I want to encourage you as we talk about this. I want to give you something that's just kind of a simple acronym and and that you can use, and maybe you have a different way of doing it. That's great, whatever you want to do. But there's a, there's a thing called acts. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication that just helps us in our prayer life change this pattern. 
And for us, instead of coming in, God, I need, I need, I need, all of a sudden we go, God, I want to worship. God, I want to reorient my life around you and your plans and your purposes. So here it is. A, A stands for adoration. Jesus taught us to pray, Father, hallowed be your name. Hallowed. That word hallowed, it's kind of an old school word. And it's like, hallowed, what does that mean, right? Yeah, hallowed. Nobody uses that anymore, you know? We don't do that. Hey, you're so hallowed. I mean, we don't do that, right? You know, because that's just not in our vocabulary. But, but here's what it means. It means, hey, it means to be honored. God, you should be honored. It means to be holy. It means to be set apart. God, you are different. You are God and I'm not. And so kind of when I'm moving into this prayer, this relationship thing, I just want to set the boundaries real clear. You're God, you're in control, and I'm coming into this. I'm not making demands. I'm not saying, God, you got to do it this way. God, I'm just coming in. I want to worship. I want to set my mind and my heart on you first. Hallowed, holy. Hallowed be your name. You know, there's power in the name of God. There's power in the name of God. Many of us, you know, somebody picked out our names, right? Our parents picked out our names, and they probably spent time, and they named us for a certain reason, or maybe it was a family name, or maybe it was a quality, or something in us. But in the Jewish culture, man, the name represented the very essence of the person. I mean, the name was so important to them. And you see that with God. I mean, God reveals in Scripture, he reveals his name, in a great study for you sometimes, maybe just go through and start looking at some of the names of God in Scripture. God revealed himself as Elohim, majestic. Majestic. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Wow. Or Yahweh, personal, relational. Adonai, he is our master, our Lord, our boss. God, you're... You're in control. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is my provider. God, I just want to pray this morning. I just want to say you're my provider. I'm not making any of this thing happen. I'm not making any of these deals go down. God, I just want to say Jehovah Jireh, you are my provider. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is my healer. God, my faith's not in doctors or healing. I'm glad we have hospitals. I'm glad we got medicine, praise God. But ultimately, you are the healer. God, Jehovah Ra, the Lord is my shepherd. You're leading me. And God, I'm trusting you. There's something that happens as we come in to the presence of God in prayer. We just start off in just a minute or two and just saying, God, I just want to reorient around you, around you. See, most of the time in prayer, we want to jump right in with what we think we need, right? What we think we need, right? Now I lay me down to sleep, right? I, me, I, you know, it's just kind of that old thing. I, instead of starting off with God, who you are, who you are. Don't you love if you're a parent listening to your kids pray? It's so fun. And, and, and you listen to their prayers, they change. You know, I have a friend, who, he has a daughter who's four, and she was praying the other day, God, don't let me get stepped on by a T-Rex. You know, it's like, <laughs> great, I, I, I don't pray that, I mean, anymore, but you know, I mean, it's like, that's important, that a four-year-old, right, you see a movie, like, oh, T-Rex, I mean, yeah, you know, and I said, you know, have another friend, it's like, God, let me have ice cream for every meal, you know? And it's just like, yeah, I mean, but sometimes, you know, as kids, we, we do that. We always start off with what we need. But even as adults, many times we start off, here's what I need. Here's what I need. Here's what I need. Instead, what if we start off and just focus on God first? Let's focus on God first. God, I want to put you first. 
give him the praise and the glory he deserves, recognize his sovereignty. God, really, at the end of the day, I don't have any control. <laughs> God, I can't control if a recession's coming. <laughs> I can't control, you know, if there's a war, I can't control. If there's a fire, God, I can't control how somebody responds. God, I can't do it. But God, you are sovereign. And so before I dive in with my laundry list here of all these things that I need, God, I just want to come and say to you, you're in control. And you're worthy of praise and you're worthy of worship. And I want to come into your presence right now. Something simple I do sometimes is an alphabet of praise. And so I'll just start off and I'll go, God, I'm just going to go through the alphabet. Father, God, you are awesome. You know, we throw that word around a lot, God, that was an awesome movie or an awesome pizza, but really at the end of the day, that word should just be reserved for you because you alone are awesome. You inspire awe. God, you're be beautiful. You're beautiful. Wow, your creation, oh, you're beautiful. God, see, you're caring. You care. Thank you, God, that you care. Thank you, God, you care what's going on in my life. There's other world religions where you're unknowable, unpleasable, but God, we know, as Jesus taught us to pray, Father, you care. And just walking through the alphabet and just setting the stage, just reorienting our lives in that time and that adoration, that adoration. And when from adoration then, we move in to confess, to confess, Father, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. We see that, the holiness of God. That we are set apart and we recognize the holiness of God, all of a sudden we begin to see kind of some of the sin in our lives. We're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's some things that aren't in line with you. We spend most of our lives kind of comparing ourselves with others, don't we? We spend most of our lives like on Instagram or other places, we're comparing ourselves with others, we're looking at others. But when we stop looking at others and look to God, we find out that we are loved. And we are find out that God created us uniquely but we also begin to see, man, there's kind of some sin in my life. There's some things that I've, I've done. And God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, brings those to mind. And instead of me saying, God, you fix all the people around me, maybe God start with me. <laughs> As David prayed, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any impure way in me. And lead me in your way everlasting. God, start here. Start with me. Here's the thing about confession. Confession is not telling God something that he doesn't know. He's God, okay? It's not like, hey, God, you know what I did a couple days. I mean, you may not know this. I mean, maybe you were busy. Maybe you were out. Maybe someone, but, but God, I did this, right? I said this to my spouse. I should have done it. And God's going, really? I didn't know that. And God, no. I mean, God's like, yes, I know you did that. But confession is that first start. Confession is us recognizing in our lives, hey, I've got a part to play in this. You know, it really is the oldest trick in the book, right? If you go back to Adam and Eve, when God created Adam and Eve, and he put them in this beautiful garden, he goes, guys, all this is yours. All these fruit trees and waterfalls, and it's just beautiful, these animals. And hey, listen, there's one tree over here. Just, just stay away from that one tree. That's it, you know, no, no big deal. But you got all of this. And they're like, all of this? Yeah, we want that. Right? We want that, right? It's something inside of us, that sinful nature, and they go and they take and they eat, and immediately they recognize their own sin and their total depravity, and they're like, ah, and they hide behind a bush. And, and here comes God walking through the garden. Hey, Adam and Eve, where are you guys? Shh, 
he won't find us behind this bush. You know, it's like, really? God created the bush, you know? It's like he created you. Yeah, like, come on, you know? And then instead of confessing and saying, God, we messed up, we did it, I'm sorry, they try to blame each other. Again, they try to hide it, you know? The guy's like, it wasn't my fault, you know, her fault. In fact, you created her, God, so really... You know, it's like, you know, it's like, it's like the woman's like, no, it wasn't my fault, right? It was the serpent's fault, right? It's just that blame. And at some point, you got to stop and go, wait, wait, wait. I want to recognize sin. Search me, oh God. Know my heart. Confession is us identifying the areas in our lives that do not align with who God is. It's just recognizing those areas. Hey, none of us are perfect, Right? But our call is to strive to be godly. Our call is to strive to be more like Christ. Confession is the first step to healing. You know, if you're a parent and you, your kids make a mistake and they do something and, and you know it's them, right? And they, again, they, they try to hide it. They blow it up. You're going, it's a broken window and the basketball is right here. I, you're the only one around. I don't know what to tell you. you know, I, I mean, at some point, we have to confess. And don't you love as a parent when your kid just goes, listen, I messed up. I made a mistake. And you're like, yeah, that's okay. I love you. I care about you. We're going to get through this. It'll be okay. And I think the same thing with God. Hey, you said some things you shouldn't have. It's okay. We're going to get through it. Learn from it. Grow from it. I love you. But if you notice, if you notice as you go through the Lord's Prayer, right? Father, hallowed be your name. I want to reorient my life around your holiness, your kingdom come Give us each day our daily bread. And then there's this line, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone else who sins against us. There's something about confession when we see and recognize the own sin in our lives, but there's also a responsibility then to forgive others. That's when it gets a little difficult. That's when it gets a little challenging. You know, one of my heroes is... uh, Corey Tinboom. If you don't know Corey Tinboom's story, uh, she was living in Holland. Her dad was a watchmaker, a Dutch watchmaker, you know, successful family, early 1900s. Things were great as she grew up there as a child and growing up in Holland. And then came World War II. And her and her sister Betsy and their parents, and, and they started seeing what was happening to the Jews in Holland. And And they created this closet in their room, in their house, and they started hiding Jews in their house to protect them. When the Nazis found out, she was taken off into a concentration camp, her and her sister, Betsy. Concentration camp, Ravensbrück. They were able to smuggle a Bible in there, and after all the hard work and the things they would do, they would have a Bible study at night. Betsy died in that concentration camp. Fifteen days later, Corey Timboom was released because of a clerical error. A few days later, all the women her age group were killed. Corey Timboom wrote a book called The Hiding Place, which is powerful. And after the war was over, she went around speaking about forgiveness. And in 1947, she was speaking at a church in Munich, Germany. And she said, I was speaking about forgiveness and telling them that, you know, Jesus forgives Whatever you've done, whatever mistakes, he he takes them and he throws them into the depths of the sea. And she said, that's when I saw him. In the very back, after 
it was over and people were filing out, he started making his way toward me. At first I saw this man and then I, I saw the visor on his head with the skull and the crossbones because he had been a guard at Ravensbrook. And he came up to me and here's what she wrote. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Fraulein. How good it is to know that as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. I mean, how could he remember one prisoner among the thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. It was the first time since my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there. No, he didn't remember me. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. Again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there. I, whose sins had every day to be forgiven, and I could not forgive. Betsy, my sister, had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able also to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars. Those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And still I stood there with coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed. I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You, Jesus, supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole body, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all of my heart. And for a long moment, we just grasped each other's hands. The former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. Maybe in your prayer life, you feel like you're fighting a headwind and maybe it comes in this area of confession. Maybe there's an area that you need to confess in your own life. Maybe there's a sin that you don't think anybody knows about and you've been hiding from God. But maybe there's an person you need to forgive. 
And every time you start to get to that point, you're just like, God, I can't. God, you don't know what they did. And God goes, yeah, I do. And I'm bringing you through it. And I'll never let you go. You are mine. Trust me. Hold on to me. Walk with me. There's the adoration, the reorient in our lives around who God is. There's the confession. And then my prayer life, God, I want to be a man or woman after your heart and follow you. And then you come to the T. And the T is thanksgiving. The T is thanksgiving of learning to be thankful. Of learning to be thankful. Even before we get to what we're praying for, be thankful for what you have. You know, so many times in our lives, we concentrate on what we don't have, right? We look around at everybody else and we're like, well, they got this car, they got this house, or they got this thing, or they got this, and family, and, and we concentrate on what we don't have instead of concentrating on what we do have. And there's something powerful about coming to God and just saying, God, thank you for what I do have. Father, hallowed be your name. <laughs> your kingdom come. God, you paid the price, the ultimate price for me. You sent your one and only son who died on a cross for me. God, I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed. And God, I just want to be thankful. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You know, as a parent, don't you love when your kids say thank you? Now, you're going to do it for them anyway, even if they don't say thank you. But every now and then when your kid just stops to say thank you and they look up and they say, Thanks, Mom, for cooking dinner. I know you probably had a long day at work, and you got home, and you made dinner. It was great. I just, just say thank you. I just want to say thank you. you just like, that's awesome. You know I mean? He's just like, yeah, thanks, Dad. I know you worked hard, and you bought me this, and, and I know that took a lot of time, and just thank you. And, and I want to tell you, you would do it anyway, but, man, when you say thank you, and I think the same is true with God, when we just stop sometimes and go, God, thank you. I know I come all the time and I've got this whole laundry list, but God, as I look back over my life, you have always been there. And God, when I was going through that hard time as a kid, you were there. And God, when I was in college, I did that. You, you were there. And God, when my life seemed to be falling apart, God, you were there. When I prayed about this job, God, you were there. And, and God, thank you. <laughs> and so God, I, I just, I just want to say thank you. In, in your prayer life, <laughs> Do you spend time thanking God for what he's done in your life? Do you spend time just saying thank you? The apostle Paul, he wrote this in Philippians chapter four and verse six and seven. He says, do not be anxious about anything. So, so when you came in this morning, were you anxious? Were you uptight? Were you stressed out? But he says, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, every situation, by prayer and petition, by prayer petition, then notice these two words, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. God, before I kind of bring this whole new situation to you, God, I just want to say thank you for the way you've come through before. Because God, I'm coming right now with something else. But God, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God, you've been faithful before. You'll be faithful again. God, you've been there and you will be there. And God, I trust you. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and then the last one, supplication. Supplication. Supplication is where we bring our list. Supplication is where we ask for the needs. Supplication is where we come to God. Now, as a parent, I, I, 
You know, I spend a lot of time with our kids trying to help them distinguish between needs and wants. You know, you know, right? you know, Dad, I need this new app, right? You know, Dad, I need this game. Dad, Dad, I need, you know, this American Girl doll. Really? I mean, you know, it's like, I don't know if need's the right word there, right? I mean, let, let's go to maybe want, you know, because that's not a need. And, and a lot of times in our lives, we have these things where we're like, God, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. But God wants us to ask. He invites us to ask. But even more, he wants us to trust. <laughs> even more, he wants us to trust. And that's what I want my kids to know. Hey, you can trust. I'm going to take care of your needs. I'm gonna be, I want you to ask. I want you to have those things. I want you to enjoy things. I want you to experience this. I, w- I want to give you good things. But even more, I want you to trust that I've got your best interest in mind, that I'm going to be there for you, that I care about you. See, I believe God answers every prayer we pray. Every prayer we pray. And sometimes you go, well, I've been praying about this, and I don't know if God's hearing me on this, and I don't know if it's getting through. No, every prayer we pray, sometimes God answers yes. We love that answer, don't we? And we're like, yes. You know what I mean? It came through. I prayed about this job. It came through. I prayed about this bill. It came through. I prayed about this situation. It came through. Sometimes God answers no. And we don't like that. But that comes back to the trust part. You know? It's like with your kids. <laughs> Can I have ice cream every meal? No. You know, it's not because I don't want you to enjoy it. I just know that's not good for you. No. And we look back on our lives, there's things we prayed about where God said no, and we go, thank you, God. And sometimes God says, wait. Many times that's the hardest one for us, right? God's going, I'm preparing this situation. I'm preparing you. Hold on, hold on. And what we learn then when we flip this order, when we flip this pattern, and instead of coming to God with our needs first, we begin to worship him, adore him, confess, thanksgiving, then supplication should be in line with God's will. It changes. God, I want to bring this before you, but God, I want to bring it in line with your will. God, I want to bring it before you, but God, I know what you want for me, and God, I want it to line up with what you want for me, and not just what I want in my life. Because what you want is best. What you want is best. You know, it's about football time here in Tennessee, and, and that's a great time of year because we, we love football, and it's fun, and it's great. But I always laugh out. I, I, mean, I grew up loving football and going to games. And, but it's always funny, you know, like when you think about a football stadium, and like half the crowd is praying for one thing, right? And the other half is praying for the other, you know? And you're just like, okay. Who's going to win here, right? I mean, who's more spiritual? I mean, is that really what I, this is what it's going to come down to? And, and you go to a game, and it's like Alabama and Tennessee, and you're like, yeah, all, all this half is praying for this, and this half is praying for this, and maybe Alabama's been more spiritual lately. I don't know, but maybe Tennessee's going to make a comeback here. And, you know, and so you see that, and you think about it, it comes down to a field goal, and there's people praying, he misses, and there's people praying, he makes it, and and what I think is this, is I don't think God really cares about who wins a football game, right? And I think God wants us to go. I think God wants us to enjoy. I think God wants us to tailgate and have time with family and friends. But, but I think as we grow, as we mature, we start to pray a little differently. Then God, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray. I pray for the, the guys on that field that they would know you. I pray that you protect them. God, I pray for their families. God, I pray for me. I pray in my heart, God, I wouldn't let this rule my life. And God, I pray that I'd be the man or the woman that God, you created me to be. I pray that I would have great relationships with the people I'm here with. God, I pray that everybody here, that I could radiate Christ. God, I pray that the outcome of this game won't like, determine my mood for the next day or the next 
weak. God, I pray that, God, I would be above that. Lord, I pray. God, because I want my team to win. I want my team to go 13-0. and I want them to be great. But, God, even more, I want what's in line with you. And I want to radiate to this world you. And regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the situation, God, I want to be a man or woman after your heart. That's how the Apostle Paul could write in Philippians chapter 4. I've learned the secret. I've learned the secret of being content in whatever the circumstances. And Paul's writing from prison. He says, I know what it is to be well-fed. And Paul was successful before, you know. And I know what it is to be hungry. And then he comes to that verse in verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And when you and I start developing this ongoing relationship with God through Jesus, when we start developing that prayer life that in every situation, God, I'm going to bring it to you. And I want you to be first. I want you to be glorified. I want you in my life, in my heart, God, to receive the glory. It changes. So is prayer more about God or is prayer more about me? (laughs) Do we love God or do we just love his blessings? Is God enough for us? Jesus taught us to pray, Father, hallowed be your name. I want to ask you, I want to ask you to pray. But here's what I ask you to do. I want to ask you to open your hands. Open your hands, right? Just right now, just where you are, if you're taking notes, you can put it down to the side. Or, but, but put your hands either on your knees or just open your hands. And I want you to just open us to God right now. Maybe this morning's been busy, it's been crazy, I haven't even had a chance to, to pray. But right now, I want to invite you into a time of prayer. You know, what's interesting is when we clutch our hands, when we try to take, when we try to hold on to things, and you clutch and we pray like this, God, I want this now, you know, and, and you feel the tension, right? You can just feel it up in your shoulders and the tension. But there's something that happens when we take a deep breath and just come to God. God, I want to give you praise. God, I want to receive from you. God, I want to reorient my life and my prayer around you. And so open your hands, and then I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And let me just walk us through this. Would you take a moment right now to adore God? (laughs) And right where you sit, maybe just say, God, thank you. I want to adore you that you're a God of love, a God of grace, a God who has my best interest in mind. Maybe you want to think that alphabet, God, you're awesome, you're beautiful. You're caring. You're delightful, God. You, you delighted me. How crazy to think about that you made me and you delight. And now I want to just invite you to confess. Maybe in your life, there's an area of sin. And, and every time you start to pray, man, you can feel that headwind because you haven't dealt with it. Maybe it's lust or pornography. Maybe it's greed. Maybe there's a rift in a relationship and you've been blaming the other person instead of saying, God, what's my part in this? Maybe there's somebody you need to forgive. Right now, God, I confess. And then the T, would would you just thank God? You take some time this morning to thank him. 
Thank you for his son, Jesus. Thank you for the family and the friends around you, for church, for community. Thank him that you have food to eat, clothes to wear, shelter. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. God, we just say thank you. And then supplication. What are the needs? What are the things in your life that you just go, God, I can't, but you can. So here you go. I bring these to you. Lord, teach us to pray. Pray.